Welcome to the Bible Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible, make playlists, and promise not to do any ASMR recordings. I'm Matt Hadle, pastor of St. Mark's Lutheran Church, Los Angeles, California. Matt, I like how you said this is your podcast. Like, we, we are just stewards of this podcast. It doesn't belong to any of us, but it belongs to all of us, which gives us a real good Lucan theme. Matt, I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder, in America's finest and only institute of higher education in the Buddhist tradition, Naropa University. Zach, it's the third Sunday of Advent. It's, how do you pronounce it? Gaud- Gaudete? Gaudete? Gaudette? I don't. What are we talking about? That thing? You don't know what that is? It's like it's the joy Sunday. It's the pink oh, candle. Oh, the pink candle. Do you do you guys do that, Matt? Do y'all do that? No. no, but all the commentaries on Advent three mention it. We do blue candles because I like blue. I've never been a part of a congregation as an adult that does that. Purple and pink, really? Or the does the pink candle thing? Oh, we did it growing up. I remember. Did I think. You? I don't. I, I had no idea what it meant, but apparently it means joy. Uh, I used to have a thing against the color pink because I have two girls and I didn't want them to always have to have gendered clothing, so I was anti-pink for a while. Uh, and that's about the same way that I feel about the emotion of joy. <laughs> You're anti-joy. <laughs> this is your anti-joy podcast. We have, we have melancholy Sunday. <laughs> Yes. Well, Matt, there are folks who do that this time of year, right? Um, I noticed in my, hey, shout out to Synod Communicators. I read your email recently uh, here in the Rocky Mountain Synod, and there was a long list of congregations that were offering uh, what's being known as Blue Sunday services or Blue Christmas Sundays uh, or Blue Blue Christmas services uh, that has this emphasis on how uh, Christmas is very often for many of us uh, not a happy, not a joyful time of year, Matt. Um, yeah, so I, a place for lament. Yeah, which I say, hey, I, why limit it to one Sunday a year? Let's do it every Sunday. <laughs> well, every Sunday has to be so church. happy. I I think we should do a new church start together, Zach. It'll be mm-hmm. like Lamentations Lutheran Church. Yes, it's going to be all, all melancholy. House of Tears melody. Lutheran Church. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think John the Baptist would attend a Blue Sunday service. He seems to have a rough time. Oh, tough. Tough dude. Had a had a tough go of it. What's uh, what's happening? You don't do uh, purple and pink pink Sunday, but is this the day that you wave goodbye to all of your students? This this would be right. This is uh, the sixteenth. Actually, no, we we go pretty late this year. Let me do some math in my head. Yeah, we go, uh, exams started yesterday on the 15th. We have exams 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. We go pretty late. So we do exam week meals, which is um, uh, can be a pretty popular thing. We don't do a program just every night. We just serve food. And I get to really uh, live into my vocation as a, as a late-in-life uh, culinary artist. Uh, I'm no sandwich artist like yourself, Matt, but... I have an extensive repertoire of uh, lentil-based vegan recipes uh, that serve the needs of everybody in our community and are delicious. Good, good, good. You guys do that every night? Every night, except the last night. Awesome. Because people leave as soon as they're done. Right. 
It's a lot of work to go for nobody showing up on the last name. Yeah, that makes sense. Still, that's a good. We get a ton of leftovers. Very impressive. It's a thing that folks uh, feel particularly comfortable inviting friends to. So I see lots of mm-hmm. friends and roommates that I haven't seen but heard lots about because it's super inoffensive and accessible and welcoming. Because there's no program where you're just serving you food and. You can come and study before or afterwards or whatever. We got Wi-Fi and printing and couches and all that kind of stuff. Very cool. We tried to do it. Uh, we did it last night. I did not have uh, any lentil-based cooking skills, oh. so we just we just did pizza and snacks. But pumpkin uh, turkey chili, yeah, man, students, is the way of the future. Students did, <laughs> students did not want to pause for Bible study in the midst of finals, but yeah. they were happy to come and eat and use Wi-Fi. And a place to study. It was it was good. Mm-hmm. So, yep, still stealing ideas from you. Well, you know, we invented exam week meals here in Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we have is an original idea, just like this uh, podcast, man. <laughs> original idea. This is just your fount of original ideas on the text and the playlist. <sighs> oh, good stuff. I'm getting ready to go to Memphis, Matt. It's getting intense. Uh, Lutheran Student Movement National Gathering. I've been doing catering. Matt, we got barbecue. We found the only nonprofit food truck in Memphis that I'm kind of excited about. They do gourmet grilled cheese out of their food truck, and they use the proceeds to, guess what, Matt? Feed hungry people. Pretty cool. And inspired, uh, of course, by the Vinyl Preacher t-shirt. I, I needed to jazz up our t-shirt design and get some uh, text tie-ins, Matt. It's a place at the table is the theme for the event. And I did I did what I do, which is super nerdy things. And I went and uh, found the old online interlinear at Biblos. And I found the word for table and clicked on it uh, and found all the occurrences of it, Matt. And it brought me to an interesting and unexpected place, Matt. Our theme focus passage uh, for the gathering uh, in Memphis, uh, civil rights stuff, place at the table stuff is Acts 16, man. Do you know what's happening is, in Acts 16? No, Paul, I don't. Paul and Silas are incarcerated. Uh, mm. They are in jail and an earthquake happens and it shakes mm. the very foundations of the prison and all the doors are open and the chains uh, are loosed. But then this funny thing happens. Instead of running away, Paul and Silas stay. They don't run away. Uh, and they have this encounter with the jailer who would have been killed if he had let them escape. And the jailer uh, wants to become a part of whatever it is that this Paul and Silas are about. And so they baptize him. And immediately after that, Matt, do you know what they do? They, they set a table before him. Woo. Wow. So, so, Matt, we are not wake, pray, slaying. We are shake, break, baking in Memphis. <laughs> Shaking the foundations, breaking the chains, baking the bread. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is fantastic. The weight of the table, shaking the foundations, breaking the chains. And Jesus sets the table. Yeah. And very, uh, very Luke and Zach, because Luke, mm. Luke, Luke Manuel Miranda. That's our, our buddy. You know, he had this great uh, musical uh, in the Heights, also known as Luke, and then he followed it up. <laughs> with his masterpiece acts aka hamilton so you know luke he's got multiple, multiple you know where musicals. where luke went luke our, our friend friend of the podcast luke manuel miranda really went wrong is when he did that he did those two uh, two plays called adams 
but you couldn't tell whether it was John Adams or John Quincy Adams, and everybody got it confused. <laughs> and he was like, "No, it's like a, it's like a sequel, but it's, but it's." He just and people were like, "Oh, is this the prequel or the?" Se-? Nobody knows. My apologies, though. That's pretty, pretty dead, jerky. Oh wow, wow. The joke's because there were two Adams, and so that'd be confusing if he did an Adams play for each of them. Call into the pod, listeners, if you got... Or maybe it was Avenue Q, as in Quincy. Adams. Anyway, Matt, what's going on in your neck of the woods? What's happening? Are we T14? Is that where we are? T14. Time for the text. Third Sunday of Advent. It is, uh, again, it is... uh, Can I say Gaudete? Someone's going to call and be like, you are pronouncing this completely wrong. Gaudete. It's uh, it's a Sunday of joy. And, you know, even if you're doing the the classic Advent, uh, you know, tropes of... uh, How does it start? Peace, or no, hope, peace, joy, love. This is joy. Uh, This is your week of joy. So Zephaniah reflects this. Interesting. I learned some stuff about Zephaniah. I looked it up. I used my... I pulled out my trusty Bible. Opened it up to... You got one of those. Zephaniah. You know, this this book is only three chapters long. I, I did. It's pretty short. It's not a long three one. Chapters long. And this is the end of it. This is the very end of it. The whole... Uh, everything else in the book is like a screed, an angry screed about everything uh, bad happening. And then we get this little moment of joy uh, right here at the end. Also, fun fact about Zephaniah 3, 14, 20. It's a Easter Vigil reading. Ooh. It is one of the twelve. Yeah, it's one of the twelve Easter. How do you not know that? You're such a vigil uh, agitator. I'm a, you know. There are twelve readings, and I'm guessing hard. I don't know of anyone personally who does all twelve readings. Uh, If you're super ambitious, you do eight. Right, twelve is a lot of readings, and there's nothing wrong with that, man. But I'm guessing that uh, as people cut it down, uh, lots of folks will even cut it down to four that uh, Zephaniah lies on the cutting room floor in favor of the imagery of uh, dry bones and seas <laughs> parting and whales swallowing people in fiery furnaces, man. It's true, but we have used Zephaniah in our visual reading, and uh, this is why, because it also shows up in Advent. So we do these video recordings in Advent, right? And we uh, have had local prophets, i.e. community advocates and activists, do these video readings for the first readings. And so I had one of these for Zephaniah 3, 14 to 20. Again, Matt, you just subtly drop in another brilliant liturgical (laughs) tie-in that folks could practically use in their local congregation. You you totally Um, could. And then you you can, this is the thing, you can recycle it because then when you get to the vigil and you're like, how am I going to cover all these readings? Mm. You need people to read them. You got to do something creative. Well, one of them, I got this video already ready to go and it's a community activist, so it's cool. So I got a reading ready to go and it's Zephaniah 3, 14, 20. It's a great, uh, great little reading. You can use it at Advent and you can use it at your Easter Vigil. Make a video. Use it more than once in this year. Oh, Matt. Matt, I know we're in Zephaniah. Let's continue. Let's continue. Into the pod, I have a fantastic story. <laughs> okay. okay. Fantastic. Listeners, you want to get to the end of this podcast? Because it's a real good story, but I'm not going to distract from Zephaniah. Matt's killing it with practical ideas here. You get it. And it's not a time it. for tangents. You going to be able to hold on to it? Oh, I got it. I got it. Don't let me forget. That's uh, I think that's the only practical idea I have for Zephaniah. It's uh, 
I love the way that the uh, that it starts sing aloud, O daughter Zion's shadow, Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. Uh, the imagery of singing and rejoicing. Um, but then it's interesting, it kind of shifts. So first the instruction is to the people to sing and rejoice. And then the imagery shifts to God is rejoicing. And God, he will exult over you with loud singing. God is going to be the one that sings. Do you think God's a baritone or a tenor? Tenor, for sure. Yeah? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. God is going to sing as on a day of a festival. That's not an image that we get that often in the scriptures. You know, a lot of images we get again and again, but the image of God singing. It's, a, it's an interesting one. It's Erlander-ish, Matt, as we've been talking about uh, the kind of uh, dichotomies for me that Erlander lifts up the God is dancing or God is weeping. You can throw singing in there. Here we got God singing. I like it. Isn't that cool? Like, if you're tracing the singing throughout uh, mm-hmm. Year C Advent, and last week, you know, like, Luke Manuel Miranda Luke was Manuel writing Miranda. Zachariah's song. Next week, it's going to be Mary's song. We don't get a canticle from Luke this week, but you do have God singing in Zephaniah. That's pretty Is cool. That good enough God, for you? Yeah, God gets his own number here. Uh, and it's a pretty good one. And then it shifts to God's voice. So the whole second half of this is uh, I will remove this for you. It shifts into first person God. So you can almost imagine God being introduced and then God steps out onto stage and sings God's number. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a good one. So, yeah, it's uh, Zephaniah. Good stuff going on. You know, Matt, how sometimes people are like, I don't think this is great for preaching because it just ends up in this guilty thing that can't be resolved. But people are like, would you recognize Jesus if he came back today? Because he'd probably look like this or like that, right? Um, what if G- what if God- Jesus came back as the guy uh, the guy downtown who's like, hey, do you like rap music? Because I've got a new track on this CD and gives it to you. And then it's like, you owe me $10. And you're like, I didn't. You just asked if I wanted. I- yeah, well, that's God. God's dropped a new track on their mixtape and you got to listen yep. to it. God's SoundCloud. <laughs> hey, we're on SoundCloud. <laughs> Matt, that's... I love the singing, but but there's another line that's snuck in here that I'm going to use a little later to tie in. Uh, at the end, last verse, uh, and if you are looking for it, speaking to those who are, are having a blue Christmas, uh, at that time, I will bring you home. Uh, gosh, what poetic lines, like powerful, just, I will bring you home. Uh, and that means a lot of things. Uh, you got to take it in the in the different angle, so it's not. Um, don't take it straight on. I don't think it's that God's gonna restore the nostalgic Christ- Christmases of your past or of your imagine of our imaginations. Uh, but awful lot of promise in that very short phrase. I will bring you home, especially as you you put it in context here, Matt. It comes at the end of a screed of all that bad stuff, and at the end, the very last verse. In Zephaniah, God says, I will bring you home. Good stuff. That is a good Boom. line. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Have you talked to Philip at all? No. Well, I looked a little bit at, at what's happening over there in Philippians uh, with the Philippians. Just three short verses, four, five, six, seven. Oh, there are four, I suppose. And guess what it's about, Matt? It ties in very nicely with the Zephaniah. Uh, Rejoice in the Lord always, I say. Rejoice, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, Matt. Uh, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Uh, Again, another lovely uh, depthy line that shows up in the liturgy. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, Just... 
re-emphasis here, Matt, of the rejoicing, the singing uh, that our first two texts this Sunday proclaim. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, And it's also, you know, just like we, you placed that reading from Zephaniah in the context of... um, of Zephaniah's critique, I mean this this letter from Paul. Paul's writing from prison, right? And so this is this is what he writes from prison: rejoice, right? I mean, just you set those two things in context, it uh, it gives a little extra depth. Mm-hmm. It would be easy for Paul to write this uh, from the Hollywood Hills, but he does not. He writes it from prison. Mm-hmm. That's right, man. And I'm all that rejoicing. Uh, the celebration, do not worry, is what the, the Philippians says. It just rolls right into to Luke 3, where John the Baptist, I'm trying to get a little a little NPR-ish, a little ASMR, ASMRE, uh, John the Baptist in the wilderness says the same words uh, to his people. It's, it's the same sentiment. Uh, he said these crowds, they came out, and he said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I'm assuming he's saying that with really joyful language. Joyfully. With a smile on his face. Oh, wait a second, man. There's extreme tension between Zephaniah and Philippians, which is all about rejoicing. I just love that, that on Sunday morning in churches uh, around the world, we're going to read, Do not worry about anything. And then John is going to come straight spitting fire. The axe is lying at the root of the trees, and every and therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Not simply cut down, Matt. Not simply deforestation, desecration. Mm-hmm. There's winnowing forks at the end. You're like, oh, we got through that part. Uh, and then you go through this like back and forth uh, question thing, and then at the end, uh, Jesus' winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather, gather the wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with, uh, an extremely metal part of the gospel's unquenchable fire. And <laughs> it's then, crazy. And this... then at the end it says that's good news. It says yeah, itself. Yeah, right. He proclaimed even... the good news to the people with many even... other such yeah. exhortations. It's such a hilarious ending. I mean, even before you get to the gospel of the Lord, yeah, so with many other exhortations, you proclaim the good news to the people. I mean, you have to laugh, right? That's got to be Luke's, part of Luke's intention. I don't know. It's got to be. It's really funny. So, like, this this happens every year. Third Sunday, you get John the Baptist spitting fire. Happens every year uh, as we get late into Advent, mid-Advent. Um, but it is weird that it's juxtaposed on Joy Sunday. Yeah, joy. Place to put it. Uh huh. That is crazy. Uh, In the middle, though, Matt. In the middle here, we get uh, the rule of three comes into play. Well, actually, let's back it up, man. I got a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. John the Baptist says to the crowds, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Uh, And then he says, he warns them, don't begin to say to yourself that we have Abraham as our ancestor. Um, It's worth noting that these two things are connected. Uh, You brood of vipers, uh, sometimes we may not recall, uh, we may lose some agrarian metaphors. Uh, You brood of vipers uh, literally means you offspring of vipers. 
uh, and in the ancient Near East, uh, who you were was determined by your lineage. And he is saying, your ancestors are not Abraham, they are vipers, uh, which is basically the most intensely uh, intense insult that you could offer to someone. You are um, in the house of Slytherin. That's right. He's sorting hats, those fools. You thought you were Gryffindor? No. Slytherin. That's exactly what it is. You know, there's a Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast, and we don't, so we, we should, this is a crossover. Gosh, you gotta be so into Harry Potter to listen to that. Um, I, I, I listened to a couple episodes. I couldn't stick with it, though. Oh, you gotta be so deep. <laughs> so deep. But the good news is snuck in here, Matt. Um, with that context, uh, perhaps we can start to hear some good news when John says, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Uh, which I think proclaims the good news, right? That that this new thing that God is doing, God could even make that rock an heir to Abraham, even make that rock a part of God's family, uh, a part of the lineage, uh, which might be good news to those of us who sometimes wonder if we're a part of that. Yeah, and he, he will raise up from the rock of Peter, right? Oh. Is there any connection there? Oh, so we've got the precursor, right? Able to raise up uh, children to Abraham from stones, even perhaps from this rock, from this Petra. Uh, that's a good connection, man. The other things that I've got, Matt, is that from there, we get a rule of three. We get three uh, three times a single question is asked to Jesus, uh, which is pretty fairy tale-ish, right? Uh, John the ba- I mean, John the Baptist, not Jesus. He's not here yet. Uh, the crowds who John was talking to, they respond. They ask him, what then should we do? Uh, and John replies, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. And then, Matt, we keep going, even the tax collectors. Now the tax collectors are there, and they asked him, and what did they ask him? Teacher, what should we do? If you're looking for some interesting ways to read the gospel this week, uh, maybe you want some call and response, you could do it. The congregation, the assembly could say, teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed to you. And again, a different group showed up. Another round of good dudes that everybody liked unequivocally. Soldiers showed up. Uh, and they asked him, guess what they asked him? And we, what should we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. Um, three times they ask uh, John the Baptist a question uh, that lots of young people, uh, lots of college students are asking. And, uh, you know, me, I ask it every day. Uh, I always want to know, what am I supposed to do? And they asked John directly. So maybe we should pay attention to the answers here, man. So you're saying this is our vocation? It's a call into vocation. Yeah, because vocation is primarily about identity uh, is one of my things. I haven't been on the soapbox in a while, but vocation, the word that we use in the church to describe the relationship uh, oftentimes uh, between our work and our faith comes from the Latin word vocatio, which means, Matt, to call. It means to call. Right. It is your calling. And I think, Matt, that we should do vocational discernment work in Spanish, uh, because in Spanish you use uh, the the word for to call in Spanish is... Yamar. Yamar. And what do you use with the word Yamar? What is the most common thing you do? You introduce yourself with it. Uh, you say, me llamo Zach. I am uh, called, yeah. Uh, Como se llamo? What do you call yourself? I'm called Zach. Uh, and I think that's a better understanding of calling. Uh, because it's rooted in your identity and who you are. And the ultimate good Ooh. news of this text 
is the promise that God is going to make us all children of Abraham. And so what should we do? We should do the things that the children of Abraham do. Uh, and what that is, when you push it down the road here, uh, is subtle and interesting. Matt, uh, Luke has Beatitudes. Matthew has Beatitudes. We're entering this year of Luke. Luke's Beatitudes are known are a little different than Matthew's because they lack the woes. For all the things that are blessed in Luke, Luke turns around and says, Woe to you who are laughing. Woe to you who are rich and fat and happy. All those things. Uh, and so you might expect when Luke says, when Luke's John the Baptist says, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, you might expect that that means to give away everything. Uh, but that's not really what it says here, right? Uh, it, it's an invitation to sharing. Uh, it's like the tax collectors. Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Uh, do not extort your wages. Be satisfied with your portion. In the ancient Near East, we've hit, we talked about this a bunch before. They had a limited goods understanding of the economy. So anytime you got more than your portion, it meant that it was coming off of someone else's plate. The family, the home to go back to Zephaniah, that Luke's John the Baptist is describing here is a place is a place where there is a place for everyone and there's enough for everyone, which I think is pretty good news. Yeah, that is pretty good news. That's I like the home the, that God is calling us to, his promises to bring us to. Ooh. Yeah, and I, I like this, uh, this piece about identity, and I think it's connected to all this baptism that's showing up here. So I like, when I hear this line, what then should we do? It makes me think of a couple of, of other places in scripture where this comes up. Um, one of them is Micah 6 say, what does the Lord require of you? Um, and it, you get a similar response here from John, right? This looks like justice and mercy. Um, but then I also think of um, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago now, that rich man came to Jesus and said, well, what should I do? And Jesus' response is kind of like, well, you already know what you should do. Like your, like his initial response, um, it's it's pretty clear. And I almost wonder if that's kind of what John is saying here, too. It's not like they're walking away going like, oh, I never thought of that before. He's like, no, you already know. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, and so you're going to need that thing that comes out. You already know what you're supposed to do. What you need is to be remade. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where the baptism is coming in at the end of this thing. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking about those other places where this shows up. And the answer is like, yeah, like, obviously, this is what you are supposed to do. Um, right. There's some other sh there's some other shoe that needs to drop. Oh, I think I like this Sunday, man. Yeah, it's good. Right. Um, I also can I say one more thing about John the Baptist? Please do. Um, so if I was uh, going to put my community organizer hat on i mean what john is doing here is agitation right he's agitating he's shaking the people up so that they get something um i <clears throat> would also but but i also like this way so i started reading this um new biography of frederick Douglass mm. because i looked at the new york times list of the 10 best books of the year and i had not read any of them Matt. but none of them looked interesting to me except this new biography of frederick Douglass, which is like i listen to audiobooks instead of reading and it's about 40 hours long so it's going to take Woo. me until july to finish it. but it's pretty good and he had this great uh, the the book is subtitled prophet of freedom and he has this quote from the uh abraham heschel uh hmm. and abraham heschel wrote this in his uh, work on the prophets, he said, the prophet is human, yet he employs notes one octave too high for our ears. He experiences moments that defy our understanding. He is neither a singing saint nor a moralizing poet, 
but an assaulter of the mind. Often his words begin to burn where conscience ends. Oof. And I really like that because this, mm-hmm. I, I experience it that way, right? As an assaulter of the mind, he isn't just moralizing. Although there is a moral component to what he's talking about, he's it's it's an assault. Right? It's an assault of words, um, with the intention with the intention of shaking the people up in order to get them ready uh, for what's coming. Um, the other place where I find uh, good news, because I do think that's right. It's a hilarious ending where it's John spits fire. And then it says he proclaimed, well, yeah, this is the good news, everyone. Isn't that great? Um, so how do you preach this? How do you come up with good news? And uh, here's another of the practices that we've started during Advent, since I just throw all my ideas out there. Um, we do, uh, I start a fire pit on the third Sunday of Advent every year. I like to do an element prayer station every week. So we'll do like the Play-Doh one week and we'll do like water one week. And this is our week for fire uh, for good reason. So we have this fire pit. And we have folks write on slips of paper something that they want to leave behind in 2018, uh, and they drop it into the fire. And that's been a really – people have really liked that one. Uh, people, are, people are really into it. I don't know. Every time I ask, like, so what stations should we do this year? And that one always comes up as a favorite. Um, there's something about letting go of those things that we need to let go of um, that seems to be meaningful for people. So if we can somehow present um, what John is saying here, I mean, it sounds it, it does sound like an assault. Um, and yet what are those things that we would like to be uh, burned with fire? What are those things we want to just let go of um, and sift out? Out of our lives, uh, and that might get us towards some towards some good news. Mm. Oh man, I'm excited to go to. I don't say this very often. I'm excited to go to church. I think I want to. <laughs> I want to go to an RCL preaching church this week. Um, Matt, uh, I uh, it's time for it's story time. Uh, this past week, shout out to my Episcopal colleague Mary Kate Rejoui, who's the the rector here. At St. Aidan's Episcopal Church in Boulder, there was a funeral I got to be a part of uh, on Sunday afternoon for uh, Virginia Patterson, who was uh, 94 years old and just a remarkable uh, woman in the community. Um, all kinds of interesting like facts about her life. Most uh, uh, local for me, uh, she served the dinner. Uh, her husband was the founding priest of, of St. Aidan's, and she cooked and served the dinner for students for decades. Uh, but on top of that, she was uh, the f- was instrumental in starting, I believe, the Downtown Business Association, the first woman in the Rotary. Uh, when we went to, uh, when our daughter was being born, and we went to the hospital, uh, the Boulder Hospital, and we are walking in. Uh, actually, we're getting the tour, I guess, during the birthing class. There's a giant oil painting of her as you walk in, because it's the Virginia Patterson <laughs> Uh, maternity ward uh, as a small business owner like all the really incredible things right um, and it was just a I mean it was a wonderful it was a really well done funeral uh, it was one of the funerals where uh, not every funeral should be like this but for a 95 year old um, who lived a very full life uh, I was so filled with life after the funeral personally um, but the thing was, uh, she used to have a Mustang convertible, and because she used to have a Mustang convertible, it was her wish that they sing that Mustang Sally be sung at her funeral. <laughs> right? uh, so after communion, uh, this little band gets up there, and it's her granddaughter is singing. Uh, they got the whole setup: drums, bass, guitar, uh, and her granddaughter's on vocals, and they're playing, and they're like, wow, they're pretty good. And then I kind of like... Uh, 
I checked the notes to see, like, what's her granddaughter's name? Uh, and it's Esme Patterson. And while she's singing, I realize that her granddaughter is Esme Patterson, who is a member of uh, Paper Birds, uh, that I believe I put on playlist for you in the past. That has a song about Colorado, uh, who's been on NPR's Tiny Desk. Uh, who, and is incredible. And I've got tons of her music on my phone already. Uh, and just like I'm sitting up there in the, in the middle of her song, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I just put the pieces together. Uh, which on one hand is just, it's always nice to be around folks who are good at music. But then at the same time, it felt like uh, it was just a really cool moment because it felt like I got to be a part of this like super, a thing we talk about from time to time about preaching that's really important is intimacy. I think that I think really good preaching is appropriately but deeply intimate, um, that it's self-revelatory. And I think that's a thing that ties into music too. Music, uh, I think that's a thing I want from my artists, right? That I want them to just give themselves to it and reveal themselves in it. And to, it's such a privilege to be a part of that, having those spaces kind of overlap for a moment, a super intimate almost like house concert, uh, you know, where you got to see the depths of, of, a, of a person, uh, which was really beautiful. Uh, so, I, uh, as appropriate as it could be, I thought it, I had a story, I told her a little story that, about Virginia that, that I knew, because I didn't think it was an appropriate time to be fan, fanboying over, over her uh, and using my placement as a, as a person, right? That's not what that's for. Uh, but I did get to say hello, tell her story. Uh, and so, uh, in memory of Virginia Patterson, in honor of an incredible performance by Esme Patterson. I'm putting Esme Patterson on the playlist this week, man. <laughs> Good. Check her out on the on the Skypes and stuff. Um, I'm putting, she's got a song called Guadalupe off of her most recent album that's really, uh, gosh, I really like it. It's called, the album's called We Were Wild. And Guadalupe, uh, oh, Gosh. Uh, the arrow wraps itself up in the aim Guadalupe, just like the soul wraps itself up in a name like Guadalupe. Name. And I hear her say that heaven ain't far. It's in your heart. Mm, it's in your heart. Oh, it's in your heart. It's in your heart. And it becomes this repetitive thing. It's in your heart. Uh, woven subtly into our stories today are is hearts. Um, at the end of Luke, they're questioning in their hearts. In Zephaniah, they have joy in their hearts. Uh, and I get to hit that same, I think it's a perfect Advent theme, Heaven Ain't Far. I did Near Wild Heaven last week. Uh, so I get to do that again with uh, Esme Patterson's uh, Guadalupe. Good stuff. Then that. I know, I just talked for a long time. But I'll give you all my songs. No. Um, we got God singing. Uh, and you know, Matt, it's kind of strange that every time I'm near you, I just run out of things to say. And I know you'd understand. Every time I tried to tell you, the words just came out wrong. Matt, I'll have to say I love you in a song. Jim Croce, Croce, Croce. <laughs> I'll have to say I love you in a song. That's what God says to us this week. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, I picture God as Jim Croce. God, if God were to be masculine, God would have a very bushy mustache. Uh, and finally, Matt, I'm, uh, oh, I've been on the singer-songwriter thing with Esme all week, so I'm going to uh, Brandy Carlisle's Josephine, uh, which is a nice blue Christmas kind of song. Take me back, Josephine, to that cold and dark December. I'm missing someone, but I don't know who. Uh, oh, sometimes I wonder how I ever started loving you. Uh, it's really good. It's a song about, I think, being brought home for me that's appropriately melancholy for me. So that's... 
That's what I put on the playlist this week, man. Nice. I like it. Personal connections. It's Ooh. good. Singer songwriters. I went in a completely different direction, but oh, yeah? that's why we uh, combine playlists here. It's rich. Um, well, I gotta have a. Uh, it's, it's so voice. boring when we 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 list like. <laughs> Eight REM and U2 <laughs> songs. It's people don't. I don't think people like that. <laughs> oh, well. Since it's Rejoice Sunday, I gotta throw my U2 song out there. Rejoice from October. <laughs> I had to do it, man. I had to do it. And uh, just put this song in for ten seconds because you'll hear the. Uh, this fiery guitar that comes out it's a really good it's actually a nice fit for this rejoicing and has some fire at the end um but then after that i went in the direction of uh some some bars some some fiery rap songs uh since we're talking about luke manuel miranda something from the hamilton mixtape not the original hamilton soundtrack but the hamilton mixtape uh watsky featuring shockman uh an o or shockwave uh an open letter uh, where he writes this, it's from the perspective of Alexander Hamilton writing this letter to John Adams in which he basically dresses him down. And it's uh, pretty fantastic. Uh, an open <laughs> letter by Watsky from the Hamilton mixtape. And then uh, I also think when I think of Spitfire, I think of John the Baptist, I got to think of Eminem. So I kind of mm. pull a track off of uh, Eminem's latest album, The Ringer. Like him or not, uh, same with John the Baptist. Like him or not, uh, he's going to assault your mind <laughs> with words. <laughs> so I got to throw some Eminem on there. And then uh, to bring us back down the denouement after this, after all this, like, assaulting. Uh, Eminem definitely assaulted us. Totally. Uh, it could show. Then I'm going <laughs> to bring it back down uh, with little James Taylor. Mm. Fire and rain. Fire. How do you spell rain? R-E-I-G-N. <laughs> that's, what, that's what John the Baptist is saying. Fire and God this, will rain. This, I mean, this fire and water imagery. Uh, yeah. Just a beautiful, but just yeah. a nice. Uh, it leads into next after week. After the storm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sort of an after the storm kind of song, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like. So that's, uh, that's the direction of my playlist this week. I like it, man. It's a good pod. It's a good pod. Good app. And Good. I and I I, I want to uh, make a confession. I had fully intended to deep dive this week into some Hamilton stuff so that I could be a little more uh, fluent. No, you did. But then the Esme stuff happened, and then you know I just been. You gonna get her on the pod? I uh, I know that would be pretty cool. Uh, it would be pretty cool. Is uh, Father Flager on next week or the week after that? When's Oh my god, Shirley keeps bugging me about that. And Spencer coming on. He would have been good for John the Baptist. All right. Well, it's been uh it's been fun. We've got one more week of that then left. One more. It's called Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve Eve. Eve 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 Eve. Well, it's been uh, it's been real Zach. It's been real vinyl. <laughs> <laughs>